I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Touchy Gooners. This week it's your boy SV Carbaholic on hosting duties tonight, and I'm joined by my good brother Shabs. How are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thank you very much, man. Good. I'm in good spirits, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah, happy to be Happy. Well, there's, there's, there's reasons to be in good spirits. Um, we started the season well, three points at home to Nottingham Forest, um, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll get into it in, in, in addition to a lot more stuff, um, like the Timber stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners every week. Um, you know, if you do like the stuff, um, become a member of our Patreon as well, where there's, you know... Um, different stuff dropping, post-match stuff dropping as well. So we encourage you to sign up for as little as £3. Um, and, yeah, just appreciate the love and support that you guys give us as well. Um, so, yeah, let's um, let's crack on and get into it. Shabs, uh, yeah, so three points to start the season at home to Nottingham Forest. Um, we won 2-1. Um, you know, it, we would have liked it to be to have been a bit more comfortable, but but we can get into maybe how and why it wasn't the case. Um, but just just your overarching um, view on the win at the weekend, and if there was any key takeaway from you from the two one victory over Forest. Yeah, um, definitely. You can whenever you start the season, and this is you know long anticipated. I don't know how long it's been six weeks, seven weeks, whatever. It's just felt like it's been way too long. Um, but yeah, the season starts. You want to get off to a good. Um, start of the season and you know what I mean you want to get off with a W um home game um in the Emirates with our shiny new signings uh it was very important that we got the win um and, and, and we done that three points is all that really mattered at the end of the day um I think it's really interesting that people are saying um you know they may be expected a bit more because um I actually think the performance was very accomplished. I think the performance was very good. I think um, maybe the scoreline in and of itself, uh, people would have expected the scoreline, but the, 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 the performance and the result for me were really good, really fantastic, especially when you consider the way that Nottingham Forest came and, 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 and set themselves out to play against us. And yeah, I think Arteta had a plan for that. We all saw how that plan unfolded and, uh, 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 manifested and yeah I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit more detail but um, yeah takeaways for me as well I think Partey was amazing and you know we've debated a little bit here and in other spaces and in other forums about how Partey might be used how Partey and Rice are going to be utilised together how um, Havertz is going to fit in um, 
you know, will Timber start? Will he be an understudy? And I think if you look at the starting lineup and how Arteta um, kind of went about getting all these players in, um, he kind of answered all our questions about his new signings, really. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. And it, it, it didn't backfire at all. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, being at the ground, it was really interesting. And from where I was sitting um, in the club section in the North Bank, I had a good view of how we were set up structurally. And there were so many different rotations within that first half, which I found really interesting. So obviously, most notably, um, you know, we built we built up with a back three. So you had Saliba as the central defender. You had Timber to his left, Rice, I mean, sorry, beg your pardon, Ben White to his right. Um, you know, obviously on paper, Thomas Partey was the right back, but we know obviously that's not where he was unless we were, you know, um, it was our rest defence and we were defending. Um, so naturally what he would happen was that he would come in, he would invert next to, to Rice at some point. So it'd be like a 3-2-5. Um, but at other points, Rice would even push a bit further forward. So it was almost like a, a sort of diamond midfield as well, where you had Party at the base, you had Rice and Erdogan either side of him, and you had Havertz just off Eddie with obviously Martinelli and Saka wide. And and, it, and it's really interesting how what I found, which which was really interesting, was how he wanted to make sure that midfield was overloaded. Um, so the Nottingham Forest, even though they were playing with a back five, that those that they would have to our, our guys in the midfield they would have to occupy spaces that the um that the Nottingham Forest midfielders would have to focus on which meant that we could funnel it wide to the wingers that they would have to be able to set for their 1v1s I thought it was really really nice really interesting from Arteta tactically and I think obviously it's probably part of the new layers that that we're adding to our you know new strings to our bow this season just to make us a bit more unpredictable especially when you know you have those low blocks that that, that come in so I, I was really happy with how we started the intensity with what we paid I think we all commented in the group chat about how the counter pressing was so sharp especially in that first 45 minutes and it was almost like a blanket was thrown over Nottingham Forest the moment they got back three four Arsenal players were hunting them winning the ball back I think at one stage of that second half first half I beg your pardon um, the possession, I think he got up to about 85%, which is <laughs> which is crazy, that <laughs> level of dominance, that level of dominance. And I know some people will say it didn't really show up on the XG scoreboards because obviously in this game, actually, Nottingham Forest out-XG'd us. But, but if you watched the game and you saw what happened, what, what probably would have translated more would have been, you know, sometimes our final pass was a bit off, you know, the decision-making at the last moment was a bit off. So it didn't really reflect the dominance that we had, especially in that first half. And even if you wanted to look at it just purely on a stat sheet, we had like nearly 20 shots. They only had six. So I think, you know, <laughs> that tells you most of what you needed to know. But I thought um, that first half was really, really encouraging. I really liked a lot of what I saw. Um, so, yeah, how, how did you how did you see it? Yeah, definitely. Um, much of what you said. You think about who Nottingham Forest are. Let's think about who they are. Let's think about... Um, you know, how they're going to come out and play, set themselves up to come and play against us, especially away from home. Um, you know, five at the back. Some sort of people interpret systems differently. Sometimes people look at it as a back three with wing backs. So it's a back five. Um, you know, they set themselves out to defend. Um, with our three attackers um, going up against that, There's you know, there's a clear... Overload. There's a clear outnumbering um, which favours them. So Arteta needed to do something which ensured that um, you know he crammed as many attacking players on the pitch and created problems for them. I think with his system, what he done was fantastic in terms of um, creating problems. It did just that. You know, every um, 
time we um, were in control of the ball, in possession. It looks like we were just, especially when we were building up, we looked like we were just presenting loads of different issues for Forest. And then they had to try to respond to that on the pitch. And then when it looked like they had a response or a semi-response, we'd just switch it up on them. You know what I mean? And there's so many different examples um, of that. And if I, you know, if I if if I go to build up, if you look at build up, for example, you look at um, Timber and White who were um, offering the whip. So let's say we're building up and Saliba's on the ball. Um, you know, as the, as as the central of the three centre backs, Timber and White would offer lots of whip to receive the ball in an attempt to try and kind of draw one of Forrest's midfielders out. And then, you know, you'd have Rice or Partey in behind to um, kind of receive the ball in the space that had opened up. When Forrest cottoned onto that, um, Timber stopped going as wide. You know what I mean? Timber stopped going as wide. Timber came inside. Um, White stopped going as wide. He was closer to Saliba. And then what would happen is Erdegaard would drop into the space in terms of like the right-back space and create an overload and receive the ball um, there and deep. I think Erdegaard's utilisation was was really interesting. And similarly, on the other side, Havertz would do that. So Havertz would go wide. Um, and again, I think he got a lot of criticism in the game, but I think his utilisation was really interesting. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting to me that Arteta found a way to get all three of his um, new signs on because there were lots of conversations about who's going to play, how, how are these players going to play. There's so much flexibility Arteta was so brave in terms of his um, his setup and his personnel, and those players offered so much fluidity, so much flexibility, and this is when we're talking about duality and players being able to perform different roles. And I think Havertz performed um, a range of different roles in terms of what he offered. He was very functional. He was a functional facilitator um, in terms of his movement off the ball, um, on the ball. He left a lot to be desired for, but off the ball, I think he offered a lot actually, and. Um, yeah, he's getting a lot of criticism, but I think what he'd done was enabled lots of players to um, play. Like, everyone praises Martinelli's game and Martinelli's performance. Um, you know, one of the questions in my mind is, um, does that first goal happen in the same way? Does Martinelli find so much space if um, Havertz doesn't um, kind of create the overload and, 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 and occupy players for Martinelli to have that space? And yeah, he, Martinelli still does fantastic in terms of moving into his space. Um, beats two players, but yeah, I just think like there's a lot of over the top criticism of, of 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 Havertz in terms of how he performed on on Saturday, and actually, I think it, Havertz done a lot of positive things. I, I, th I think there's there's a lot of um, I think there's even just simpler, easy explanations, you know, for like when you look at, for example, the right hand side, it has Ben White, Thomas Party, Erdegaard, Saka. That's the same you know, lineup that was last season. Do you know what I mean? These guys are as familiar with each other as possible. They've worked on their autumn like automisms, like, you know, they know their the sort of the game models inside out. When one goes in, the other stays wide and, and vice versa. So they're very much familiar playing with each other. Whereas you when you compare it to the left side now, you have three of your new signings, right? You have Jurian Timbar, mm -hmm. left centre back, then you have like Rice, left centre mid, um Havertz like left attacking mid and then Martinelli. Yeah. It's it's a very, very different sort of um, left side compared to what we had last season when, you know, Zinchenko was there, Xhaka was mm. there, Martinelli and Jesus was there. So, 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 so it's going to take a bit of time for that side to build up, you know, that relationship, that chemistry. So it, it is something that needs to be worked on. So I'm not I'm not overly worried about that. So I, I just think it's a case of the more they play, the more they, they you know, they're 
they become familiar with each other, the, the, the more it will improve, like, like the left side. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see, you know, when Zinchenko comes back, Jesus comes back, if, if we look to, you know, keep the similar approach or whether we change up um, the shape again. So, but I think the most important thing is having that level of quality where we can deviate, where we can adapt, um, you know, according according to, to, to different game states. So, yeah, so no, I thought it was, um, it was really good and it was a lot of interesting stuff tactically. Yeah, and I think I, I I agree with you completely. I think just going back to it, if we if if again if we go back to basics, he was really brave in um, operating this system. You know, he wanted to he wanted us to attack with six. Um, you know, he wanted us to um, defend with a high line. We've done that as well. We're very aggressive with our line as well. Very high again having um, the players that we now have now, the personnel that we now have is just an advancement on what we had last season. So you're looking at Timber and the pace he operates with and the athleticism and the intensity he operates with. Again, it's very comfortable um, kind of to do the collective piece, but win his individual battles as well. And, um, uh, you know, and that's going to be a talking point for us moving forward, definitely. But Saliba as well, we know what he's about. Ben White, he's no slouch. And then you've added um, Rice alongside Partey. You know what I mean? So, yeah, these guys were going to win their individual battles. There's a lot of height. There's a lot of size there and whatnot. So, yeah, we played quite high up. Um, very comfortable in the ball. Um, very comfortable in in, 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 in um, possession. Um, there was so much. There was so much that was interesting. The rotations, like we've already talked about, you know, really good. I just think like the duality and the fluidity and the flexibility that um, the personnel that we've brought in now allow us to play with is really um, key. And I think it told, you know, on um, Saturday, definitely. So, yeah. I like your use of lexicon there, the duality, flexibility. I know the ops are going to be getting on to Tachigunas about our use of thesaurus again, but, you know, we're trying to give you some articulate analysis here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, let's let's talk um, a couple individual performances. Um, mm. I'll, I'll start with both of the wingers because they, they were the key to, you know, breaking open this game for us. So Martinelli did some great work down the left and, you know, um, a nice pirouette which fell to Eddie and, and he cut in and finished, which was nice. And then, you know, Saka, um, boy, you know, downloading that Robin pack. So, boy, you know, talk to me, talk to me. What, what, what were you saying about the two wingers on Saturday, especially in that first half? I mean, again, I don't know why. I, I feel like despite the levels that these two are showing, there's still an air of... There's still a narrative amongst other supporters about us kind of overdoing it or us hyping them up too much because there are boys and whatnot. And I think if you look at performances, if you look at consistency of performances at the level that they've been performing at for a sustained period of time now, if you look at their production and their output as well, um, if you look at the moments that they've had as well, there isn't a doubt in my mind, that these are two of the top wingers, wide forwards, however you want to categorise them, in world football right now. You know, they're in the conversation with the, the 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 biggest names. They are. They have to be. You know what I mean? They're doing this in, um, you know, one of the toughest leagues, if not the top toughest league across Europe. 
Um, if Martinelli were doing this and getting the same production performing for United, you know, we'd never hear the end of it. You know, if he were doing it for Liverpool, we'd never hear the end of it. Same player doing the same things. We wouldn't hear the end of it. You know, the projection would the, the projections would be ham, you know. Um look at look at look at how they're talking about um that Garnacho kid. You know what I mean? He's not done half of what he's not done half of what Martinez done. Yeah, he's younger and whatnot, but he's not there yet. Look at how they've been waxing lyrical about Anthony, you know, despite the you know glaringly obvious failings in terms of that as a as a as a transfer. Um, you know, there's some that are still clinging on to Sancho for for for, for their life in terms of him still being a star boy. It's, it's, it's not possible. It's not a possibility. So these guys are top, 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 top guys. Um, you know, they come, they don't play with their food, they're setting levels and they're in the conversation. I'm so happy that Saka got his goal. Saka's goal is amazing. You know, it's a top quality finish. Um, you know, he deserves it. I'm glad he started the season off. Last season, we but he was criticised, not we, but he was criticised for starting off the season slow. Um, you know, he got a goal on the opening game, happy for him. And Martinelli, I think it wasn't just that audacious bit of skill um, for the assist, but yeah, I think he was relentless as well and going for it. And yeah, again, you have to think about, we're, we're not making excuses for, but we're we're um, acknowledging the newness of that left-hand side for the new players, but that also has an impact on him as an established player. Because it means that same fluidity is not there yet for him as well. So he was still took the you know he took it upon himself to just create problems and cause havoc and be relentless. And yeah, again, I'm happy for him and his goals will come this season. He'll carry on from where he left off last season. So yeah, these guys are top, top, top in my estimate. And you know, I can't see it any other way right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think some of the analysis around both of them comes from they're not quote unquote what you'd call like beautiful like to watch aesthetically so that you know probably feeds into some of the analysis but you know when you just take you sit back and you look at it objectively you're like how many 21 year olds are banging 15 in the league do you know what I mean so um, I, I think that sort of speaks for itself it talks for itself and I expect both of them to with Champions League football to, to go higher this year you know so that there are superstars they're the ones who break open the game for us so um, long may it continue man long long may it continue Absolutely. And they and they made the difference. We we talk about the tactical setup and we talk about the system, but a lot of the time on um Saturday, our plan was to go wide to those two. You know, when you've got wide players who can Saka was really important because he just kept them guessing. And you, you look at a player like Ola Aina and um that he's a good match. For Saka, in terms of uh, the physicality, you know what I mean. Like he's not—he's not a slouch either. Mm. Um, so you look at Saka, and Saka was just still so unpredictable. Yeah, he's a left-footed player. He plays on um, the the, the right-hand side. By now, a lot of people will think, "Oh, well, they understand his game. They understand how he makes that curved run out to in um, to receive the ball and his stronger foot and whatnot." Nah, man. You think, yeah, you can stop him. No, man, he just switched it up. You know, he didn't do the same move twice. You know, sometimes he went on the outside, crossing with his right foot. Sometimes he went on the inside of of, of, of the man and getting a shot off or laying off a pass. He just was problematic and, 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 and relentless. And they were a major part of being able to break down, um, you know, low block Nottingham Forest as well, because without your wingers doing their jobs and completing their dribbles and taking on their mans and that, you don't destabilise these low blocks enough. So, yeah, they were really key for me. And, um, 
yeah, like, like I said already, um, you know, they're both credited with a goal and, and, and an assist and they're starting as they mean to go on, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, don't disagree too much. Talk to me about your views on Declan Rice, the different zones he was popping up in, how you thought he was utilised and, you know, um, you know, yeah, just your views overall. Because he also had three shots this game, which I, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, he was starting deep, but he was also arriving late in the end. I think he was unlucky not to maybe get a goal this game as well. So especially when you consider, I think, in, in the last week or so, he's spoken about how he's not 100% fit yet and he's still building up fitness. So I thought that's great to see. I thought it was, a, you know, an improved and encouraging performance from him. Yeah, he was so important. You, you know what? I haven't even looked at his metrics or his underlying numbers or anything from the game, but I, I, I just remember um, watching the game. I haven't done a rewatch either. Um, but yeah, I think, again, it was the duality. It was the flexibility. There were times where he would line up alongside Partey in the 3-2. There were times where it was the 3-1, um, you know, 3-1-4-3, or 3-1-3-3, three, three, sorry. My maths is way off there. Um, but yeah, th so there were times where he was higher up and, you know, was looking to receive the ball um, much further up the pitch with Partey as the single pivot. There were times where he completely vacated the space. We're talking about... Um, you know, or we were talking about Shaka and the way that Shaka used to play for us and what's going to happen if Rice isn't utilized, you know, if Rice doesn't, um, you know, perform to the same effect or fulfill the same role, then what will happen and how will we kind of um, squeeze teams and still have that attacking threat and whatnot? I saw a bit of everything from Rice on on on, on, on Saturday. Um, he was a presence in their box, you know, he got his shots off. He was unlucky not to score. I think he was doing everything he could to try and, get a goal, you know, I think that would have done, I think he's already confident, he's got a, a lot of self-belief. I think, you know, that would have really, really, really just kind of endeared him if he'd scored a goal on his debut at the, at the Emirates, basically. It would have further endeared him to the fans who I think are already on side with him. Yeah, and he was very unlucky not to score. But I think it meant a lot to him to try and get on the, on, on the score sheet at the end. And yeah, we're seeing some production in terms of getting forward and getting shots off. Um, he was unadventurous and uninspiring in possession but that's not a negative thing as well I think he you know we looked like we um, set out to be patient in our build-up and yeah we dominated for large spells of the game but yeah he done what he needed to do on the ball and you know I'm not gonna um, you know I'm not gonna have any bones about that you know I think there's different horses for different courses and and um, you know I think the, the way in which you set out to play on Saturday um yeah, he just showed something that was very assured, very comfortable. Um, again, had some rotations, had some rotations with Havertz at times. Um, but yeah, I think he was very good. And then done his job defensively as well, as we expected him to. And, I, you know, I don't think the story about Rice this season will be what he does in defensive phases or in the defensive transitions for us. I think the curiosity about Rice is what he's going to add when we are attacking or when we're in possession or in control of the ball or, you know, dominating games. I think we saw a bit of everything from him. So, yeah, yeah I was very happy with his performance. I'm very encouraged by his performance. And, yeah, and I, and I want to hear from you what you think about his performance on Saturday as well. You were there. You saw him under the lights. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. Uh, he's, he's very 
he, you notice Rice when he's there. There's always a presence on the pitch, like even mm. if it's like you know maybe not overly progressive with the passing, but very physical, very intimidating. Gets his foot stuck in. Um, you know, I, I think that the challenge for him will be how to influence and impact games. You know, because when we spoke about what he did at West Ham, we were talking about a lot of the stuff, the ball carrying in transition. But you need to remember that he. This was a West Ham were a team that were averaging like forty percent possession. Were playing on the counter a lot. Here, Declan Rice is picking up the ball a lot on the edge of the opponent's box. So it's very, very different. You know, we're going to have to test you in tight spaces. Your ability to combine, your ability to to maybe conjure something out of nothing, but also shots from outside the box as well, which he did do a couple times this game as well. So his game will have to evolve. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But I thought this was really encouraging. Just a lot of the energy he showed getting up and down. Um, you know, his counterpress. Yeah, like you said, the defensive stuff is, is what we, we know is good. So it's more the evaluation will be, you know, um, especially if he does get the opportunity to venture up higher a lot, will be, you know, you'll be saying, well, Xhaka got seven goals, seven assists this last season. Do you know what I mean? So we're going to be looking for around that from you. Um, you know, same with Havertz as well. We're going to be looking for those upticks because uh before we used to always used to criticize goals from midfield we had a lot of goals from midfield last season so that's going to be um something to assess this season so yeah no i think it was good i think it was encouraging to watch obviously like he spoke about it salib also spoke about it post game that he's not fully fit yet so i think that probably explained to some extent why we you know our energy levels dropped off a bit in the second half do you know what i mean we're still mm. we're still not there fully fit yet so i'm not worried about that um and also there's there's an element of, well, you know, we're tuning up at half time. There's no need to force anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it, it yeah. would have been nice to have to have got a third goal and then I think we could have, you know, rung the changes and and and, and whatnot. Relax. So um so yeah. yeah, but it it is what it is. It is what it is. It's it's first game of the season, three points are the most important thing. So um but yeah, you know, yeah. just I expect us I mean, to improve as the, the the more fitter we get and you know, the more especially the new guys are integrated into the system as well. Yeah. And I'm looking at his Numbers actually, I've just pulled them up now, and um, yeah, he played the full 90 84 completed 84 out of 91 passes for 92 percent. Uh, three shots, three shots on target as well. So, you know, that's that that's telling that he started in defensive mid potentially or center mid potentially, but you know, got forward enough to get three shots on goal, decent XG from. Um, the free shots that he had as well. He touched the ball 104 times, which is not surprising considering how dominant we we were. You know that 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 that's a good number, but that doesn't stand out to me so much when you um, kind of put it into a context of of just how dominant we were and how how much um, you know we had possession. He completed 10 passes into the final third. You know, so that's you know 10 entries, progressive passes and all. Um, you know, tackles one, four out of four, so 100%, um, you know, completed one interception. He made five recoveries. Um, he was dribbled past once, yeah. And then his ground jewels, you know, they dip a little bit. So his ground jewels, 56%, you know, five out of nine. And his aerial jewels, he won one out of five um, for 20%. So, you know, yeah, encouraging performance, but, you know, Across all of those metrics, defence, in possession and in attack, those are really good numbers. You know, that's a solid base to build from. Um, you know, if we're if we're if 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 we're looking at it in that way, and 
you know, we're, we're not. We're not looking at the numbers in isolation. We're looking at how he actually played and how he actually performed, how the team performed, which is more important as well if we want to contextualise and look at things objectively. And yeah, again, I, I just feel very encouraged by by Rice. I'm not worried about Rice. Um, you know, I want to judge him after five games. I want to judge him after 10 games. I want to see what those performances look like then. Um, I think people are doing too much. I think we can't do this piecemeal analysis where, you know, game by game, we're looking at him and saying, hmm, I don't know. Hmm, he, has a, he had a good game against Forest, and then, um, you know, we play Palace or whoever it is on the weekend and then he doesn't play as well and people say, hmm, I'm not sure about it. It's like, no, the same things that we were convinced by when we saw him play against Nottingham Forest, we should be encouraged by that. You know, he's got these things in his locker. You know, he might have just had an off day. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So. Yeah, that's that. Um, and sorry, just, just just one other thing, and it's kind of a point, but it's also a question to you because I want to know what you think as well. Is um, what interests me? We spoke about Shaka and replacing Shaka, and I know um, Leroy in particular has not been sold on the idea of not having. Uh, you know, Leroy is very fixed on the idea of, and and rightly so that you know we need to have an established number eight you know, as a as a contingency, if Rice was going to be the number six, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it different and I'm saying Shaka fulfilled the role and it's not necessarily about replacing the role that Shaka filled in one player. And I'm looking at the combination of Rice and Havertz and saying, actually, these two players, in terms of the roles that they fulfilled, are giving us all the best bits of what Shaka offered for us. And Rice is doing all of the defensive stuff which Shaka offered us and offering us something in possession as well. And Havertz is doing all of the attacking elements that um, Shaka offered us. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm seeing that as yeah replacement by way of two players across the variety of roles in their skill set rather than one ready-made like-for-like um player who just comes in and does exactly what Shaka used to do for us so yeah but I don't know what you think about it yeah I just I mean essentially um a lot of people would have liked and, and maybe expected and even myself to an extent at times you know with some of the names you've been linked with in the past like Locatelli Bruno G everyone thought we would have maybe gone for like a multi-phase eight someone who's good across all zones like you know um but I, ju- I just think we need to just uh, and I think we also tend to look at it from our own lenses in terms of what's our preference, but we need to essentially look, the manager outsources build up to the back five. You know, if, if we want to look at it in simple terms, we have a back five and we have a front five. The job of the back five is to 
um, manage transitions and to help him build up. The the job of the front five is to, you know, be offensive, right? Because you could easily have just put, like, say, quote-unquote, put two normal centre mids as the eights. But I think it's interesting that Arteta chooses to go with more, you know, of a, a 8-10 profile, you know, more attacking midfielders as the eights. Because, like I said, their their job isn't for build-up or ball progression, do you know what I mean? So, they're, you know, we, we press in a sort of 4-4-2 shape, um, you know, we've seen, you know, it, it's Havertz now that Ted was pressing alongside Eddie um, a lot on Saturday as well. You know, sometimes Erdegaard drops in, sometimes it's a 4-1-4-1 shape. So I just think as fans, we need to just be more open um, and flexible to the new stuff that the managers try. And obviously time will be, will prove whether he was right or wrong or it, or, you know, on it rather than just sticking with what we were doing last season. But, you know, uh, I remember last season fans were saying, you know, we need to evolve and not just do the same thing all the time. So I don't think we can now lambast the manager for trying to add different layers and trying to, you know, you know, add some more unpredictability to us. So, yeah, I, I just think we need to be open to that. There might be some teething problems. Like you say, you know, Rice hasn't really played as a, as a six, lone fixed six. Havertz being moved into more of a deeper role. So these things, that they are going to be factors. They're going to take time to perfect. So, um I'm, I'm aware of that and obviously my hope is that whilst we're taking time to perfect it we can still pick up the necessary results right because obviously whilst you know you're trying to introduce some new stuff the results are still paramount right so you know like um saturday we learned some we learned some things but we still got the three points and i'm sure arteta will use those data sets in training to try and you know tweak maybe here or there or introduce something new man so so yeah um but again, that's why me, generally, I tend not to get wedded to anything because I think things are ever-evolving. As a team, you always need to evolve. When you look at Pep, what Pep was doing when he first joined that 2017-18 version of City with Sane and Sterling, you know, um, is, is not what he's doing now. He plays with four centre-backs. He plays with more ball retention wingers. He plays with more of a fixed nine, you know, early on. In, you know, he, he before Haaland came, he then won the league the season before without a nine. So I just think you've always just got to be open to change. Um, and I think Arteta probably is more along those lines um even though i think there's some clop elements in terms of what he does as well so just got to be open man but i like it i like it i like to be kept guessing and i and i think as a team we need to to have that string to our bow as well so um so yeah it's good for me but um one thing i did obviously the main takeaway which we haven't touched on which we will touch on now is that you know um unfortunately Jury and Timber came off with a massive, massive injury. It looked worrying to me at the time when he came off. And obviously, all the scans so far this week, have, you know, and the club have confirmed today that he has a he has a confirmed ACL. So he's going to be at, you know, I've seen some of the, the periods for at least six to nine, seven to nine months. So, which is a worry, which basically looks like the whole season, because obviously, mm. once he once he's back, you're going to need time to strengthen that knee again to, you know, you know, get you know the, the strength back into it build up match fitness and also unfortunately um i i'm not convinced that we're going to see him again this season so which is a real shame because for me personally and this is just my own personal standpoint he was the signing i was actually most excited about and i loved you know especially on saturday especially in that first half what he allows us to do like i think him and white are probably the fastest defenders we have i love the agility they have but also the aggressiveness they play with off the ball, the ball progression. So it's a real shame, man, because I think he he looks, especially when you look at the figures that are banded about, like we got this kid for 38 million, right? At 22 years of age, the Ajax captain. It looked like a fantastic acquisition. Look how he performed in the community shield, you know, 
here until he had to come off. It's, it's a real shame because for me, he also solved a lot of problems. You know, a defender that can play centre-back, left-back, right-back. You know, he was one of those guys you sign that you're like, even if he doesn't start all the time, he keeps the overall level of that back four high just because of all the stuff he can do. He can play out wide, can play more narrow. Obviously, you know, he played centre-back at Ajax. So it's a real shame, man. It's a real, real shame. And I feel sorry for the kid because, you know, for him, it was his dream move. You know, he's spoken loads of times about how Arsenal was his dream move. He got his dream move. Um, he obviously was endearing himself to fans with how, you know, how committed and aggressive he was with how he played. So it's a real shame, man. And I feel real sorry for him. My, my prayer and I real, really hope that he can just come back. He doesn't lose any of that agility and athleticism when he eventually does return. And so for you, just um, how much of a blow is this? So I'll, I'll answer to you threefold. How much of a blow is it? What do you think the manager might do? And then thirdly, do you think we need to and we will go back into the transfer market, bearing in mind how significant this injury is? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a massive blow. And you know what? It's a massive blow for us as fans. This is football. You know, you sign a player, you're all excited about the player, the ability of the player. I think from the glimpses that we've seen already, well, well, if you watch European football and you followed Ajax, you you know you won't, he won't be new to you. So some of us have already seen what he can do, what he's capable of. You know, he plays for the Holland national team. Um, you know, he would have had a fantastic footballing education coming up through Ajax. So yeah, he secures his dream move. Um, then again, they all say it's a dream move, but yeah, you know, he really um, sounds like you know he's been an Arsenal fan. He appreciates the football that Arsenal played. So it's just really sad that, um, you know, he's been injured this soon into his tenure, the first game of the season. And, yeah, it's, a, it's it's frustrating for us as fans, but I'm really empathetic to the player. And, yeah, I don't expect to see him at all this season. Um, not at all. I think that's it. I think, um, you know, what we can hope for is that, like, you know, good recovery, good rehabilitation, and he's ready to kind of, um, you know, go again to start. Uh, the next season but yeah for this season it's looking like a write-off and I think the fact that the club haven't set a time frame on his um, expected return is indicative as well you know and I think that's not to put pressure on him or not to kind of raise expectation amongst the fans as well of when to expect him back because um, these things are techie you know it could have a set it could be six months but it could be techie isn't it it could be secondary issues or or, 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 or whatnot or he might return at a point in the season where they think actually it's not worth risking him you know, we don't need to risk him. So there's that. What I think Arteta might do, I don't know. Um, you know, for, for, for me, I think with Timber as an option, it made me feel a lot more confident and a lot more assured in the back. Um, it, in essence, I got confidence in our back line when we're all available and when we're all fit. But... <laughs> Some of our backline are not reliable, and if you look back to last season, they're not reliable in terms of fitness. And if you look back to last season, that for me is where the season fell apart. You know, we coped for three months without Jesus. We couldn't cope for you know two months without um, Saliba, and then subsequently um, Tomiyasu, who's supposed to be the backup. I think Tomiyasu. There's a question there about how reliable he is because. Unfortunately, he's had injuries, you know, when it's mattered for us and we've not been able to rely on him as much. So we don't know what we're going to get 
from him. We know that when he has played, to, for me, yeah, there haven't been issues when he's played. But, you know, he does, just doesn't look like we always say um, availability is the biggest quality. Um, so, yeah, don't 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 know to what extent we can rely on Tommy Asu. Um, Kivior, I think it's interesting that we've gone in the market for, for Kivior. Um, but, um, and, you know, we, we, we signed him. We had to use him last season. I'm not down bad on him. I don't think he was that bad, but I, I, I don't know. I think large sections of the fan are uninspired by him. And I don't know if he can play or fulfil the role that Timber um, played and fulfilled, um, especially from that left-hand side. I think we just don't have depth in terms of the right-hand side of our defence. So, you know, I think for that reason, um, it looks to me like we need to dip, dip into the market. But I would try and go in the market for a smart acquisition or um, a loan option, like, you know, because I think we're, I'm still looking at Timber as, you know, this guy is still our first pick for, 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 for the role and kind of the depth option, whether he's going to be a starter or the first sub in terms of the defenders. So, um, you know, I wouldn't buy anyone that's going to kind of disrupt that long-term plan. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree too much. I think it's, it's, it's a massive blow. Um, on the left side, obviously, we know Zinchenko's now. He's, he's back in full training, so that that is good. But obviously, like you, I, I and you know, you've got Zinchenko, Kivi, or Toby can all, all cover that left side. But it's more the right side that you're worried about, right? So because now we're back to the same situation that we had last season, right? You know, where you trust Saliba and you trust Ben White, but um, Tommy Asu's always, he's, you know, he's um, showed himself to be unreliable from a fitness standpoint so um so yeah he showed himself to be unreliable from a fitness standpoint so i think what will need to happen um hopefully tomiyasu can stay fit but but if not we might need to go for for maybe another hybrid type you know maybe another hybrid type center back right back i know before this the timber stuff we were linked with mohammed simikan i believe from rb leipzig so he's someone who fits the mold but I'd also imagine he's quite expensive. Um, so yeah, so, so I think maybe to your point, um, it might be might be worth going for a loan. I, I don't know who it w- who it would be that would be available. I, I've seen mentions of Carl Walker Peters. I think he's a good player, but personally, I prefer. I think he's quite small. You know, I like my defenders to have a bit more presence about them. So um, yeah. I, if I could just find another timber, that'd be great. But obviously, that, that's gonna that's, that's gonna cost. What's his twin brother doing? Yeah, yeah, Quinton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Quinton, you know, yeah. Quinton. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. It's actually a shit. It's a really shit situation if I think about mm. it. Because you know, the other thing that we've got to consider is that we we're still very bloated as a squad, and you know, I. I know, you know, you and I are, you know, some amongst the touchy gooners who, who think about this kind of thing constantly, actually. But, yeah, we've got too many numbers. Um, we need to get the balance right in terms of uh, offloading players. We've, we've signed players at big expense this summer. Not, you know, nowhere near enough um, business has been conducted by way of outgoings. You know, it looks like Balogun's leaving and that's that's going to be imminent and that's going to bring in some cash and some... Some, some some revenue which might enable us to kind of replenish what we spent or it might mean that yeah we get opportunity to go back into the market but I think it's not just that we've got Cedric on the books who's a fullback you know um, whether he should be there or not is a different issue is a different story but the fact is he's an Arsenal player looks like we're struggling to shift him you know we need to get him gone um, Tavares 
apparently there's interest in Tavares, you know, but he's there. He's a fullback. He's there. He belongs to us. We need to get him gone. You know what I mean? Tierney, um, it, to me, it looks very clear that Tierney's, you know, no longer a part of the plans. Um, you know, I could be wrong. I could be reading too much into the situation. I just think, you know, the signs have been, um, you know, pretty evident as far as Tierney goes. And I think, you know, it's looking at an exit for him. Whether we get money for him or just get his wages off the books, um, you know, right now. But, you know, I think he needs to go as well if we're going to bring um, someone else in. And then you look at someone like Holden as well, who Holden is a different situation entirely, but he's just a player that I'm quite tired of, um, you know, for, 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 for all of the good, things that he might represent in terms of the back room and the changing room and the morale and the mood amongst the boys and whatnot. I just think that the level of the... Well, I think this has been the case for a long time. I don't think this is new, but the level of the playing personnel now have far exceeded his capabilities as a footballer. And I think, you know, in terms of the best for his career is that, you know, he needs to go and play somewhere, um, you know, which is going to afford him regular minutes and to start and you know try and make something of his career I don't see how he can see himself as highly fulfilled um, just kind of riding the bench at Arsenal for the majority of his career he's never really been an established starter um, for, 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 for us so yeah for his own good go and find a different club so you know we need to get rid of it. four of those you know at least four of those guys and this is before we get to the Pepe's the Lokongas the you know um these other guys just to trim it down. So I would love to be able to do that and then bring in a bit of a sensible signing there. And yeah, I would prefer someone for the right-hand side because yeah, it looks like that's where we're more vulnerable. But if the players of high quality and they're primarily to operate on the left, which is where we've used timber, I don't mind because, you know, the other thing for me is that Zinchenko, I love what he offers us in possession or on the ball and in the build-up. And it will be fascinating to see how um, the tactical setup looks like with Zinchenko in the build-up. I think we see um, Rice pinning, Rice completely vacating the space in terms of what Shaka done. Havertz pinning um, players further back if we use him and whatnot. But defensively, I've got worries about Zinchenko. I don't think they're over-indexed. I think they're fair, you know. Um, you know, people talk about, yeah, well, he doesn't lose duels that often and whatnot. I just, for me, he's not a player in the defensive aspects of his game. That fills me with confidence. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to say that. I'm, a, I'm allowed to feel like that. And if he does other things to reassure me, that's fine. He doesn't give me the reassurance that Timber has in, you know, the, these, these one and a half games that he's played for the club officially. So, you know. Um, we, 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 I don't mind if there's a different option there as long as the player just has to be quality for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I can do, I can disagree too much. Obviously, what will be interesting to see is if obviously now Zinchenko is fit again and if he does come back in because we know exactly what it means when Zinchenko plays. Obviously, what happened in the first game was that party inverted from the right, which saw you know Rice more to the left. But if Zinchenko mm. now inverts from this other side, do we see? Rice push over more to the right and what does that do because obviously he's not you know it's not the same relationship that you know Rice would have with Erdogan like a party has with an Erdogan and Saka and, and what does that mean and what does that change so there's so many interesting questions to have obviously I totally agree with you you know Zinchenko we have his concerns defensively but we also know how he transforms us on the ball and um, mm. you know how dominant he makes us so 
you know, it is a welcome addition. And obviously he's come back at the right time, um, you know, with Timber going out. But, you know, like you said, the concerns are around the fact that we know him and Tommy Asu aren't reliable from a fitness standpoint. Um, you know, actually, I was quite surprised. I thought Zinchenko missed more. He played 26 out of 38 games last season. So, so let's see. Let's see. But obviously with Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, we're going to need, you, they're going to need to play significant minutes. And obviously your point is that, we're going to need to get rid. I think James Benj tweeted today that we have a squad of 32 and that's just, you know, not sustainable. Ranison that needs to go. Pepe, Cedric, Lokonga, Tavares, Tierney, Balogun. And let's not forget Mr. Robert Holden, who who, can, who cannot see any minutes next season. Either. So, so we have a lot of work to do. And there's now two weeks left of the window. So really and truthfully, it needs to be a fire cell within the next two weeks. I don't think they're going to all going to go, but we need to try and get as many out the door as possible. So, um, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Um, go on. Were you going to say something? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm just agreeing with you. Um, okay. Let's 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 get onto some listeners' questions um, now before before we wrap up. Um, I never know how to say this, guys. At S O S H G N, he says, "How many days of mourning for Timber Boy?" I can't lie; it's deflated me. Um, and he says, "How should we react?" both in the market and in terms of squad utilisation. Well, I think we've already touched on that, essentially, you know, where we have some options for the left, but ideally we'd like someone from the, for the right. Um, you know, like I said, I did, you know, before the Timber signing, there was that Mohamed Simakan from Leipzig, who was, you know, who seems a decent profile in terms of a six-plus defender, but he, I like his PMP, very agile, very fast across the ground. So, but that looks like that will cost a lot of money. And, you know, we know Leipzig are flush with cash after, you know, so Boslag, Vardiol. So there's probably no incentive for them to sell unless they get a good fee. So hopefully yeah. this is where scouting comes into play and we can use, you know, we can come up with a decent option. I, I'm, I'm not sure who it would be, you know, because for me, Timber was perfect for that role. And he, you know, was came at a great price as well. So, yeah, I don't know, man. One to watch, one to watch, one to watch. Um mm. Nathan Davis at yeah Nathan Davis basically says anyone watched the Jack Wilshire under 18s documentary? What are your thoughts? Looks like a good crop of young ballers coming through. Do you think any of them will be in and around the first team by next season? Um, I'll let you come in on this, but firstly, I've not watched it. I will try and get to it at some point. I've not seen any of it, um, but I've heard I've heard good things about Wilshire with the under 18s. Um, you know, he's following the same setup that and shape that Arteta plays with. So I think it's interesting. Obviously, you got the teams in the FA Youth Cup final last season. They lost in the final. But, um, you know, it looks like he seems to be having a good time of it at the moment. Um, you know, what I will say on, on the point of, do I think any run will be in and around the first team by next season? I don't think so. And the reason I'll give you why I don't think so is that we already have the youngest squad in the league. Um, so we're already developing a lot of young players within the first team squad. I just don't think the stage we're at now where we're trying to win and trying to compete, I don't think we can then afford to, you know, and, and, and this is maybe the sad reality of when you're competing. You can't, you know, there's an expectation on you every three days to get the results. So, you know, if you're trying to integrate young players at the same time, you know, and, and we know what happens. Remember Wenger said it as well. He says, when, when you decide to give young players the chance you know, you know that sometimes they might cost you a result or two because that's just the reality because because they're young, you know, do you know what I mean? So I think it was a lot easier when we were baking off in eighth to incorporate guys like Saka, Martinelli, Smithrow. We could afford to do it then. You know, it's the, the opportunity cost and the risk now is, you know, the margin for error, should we say, is a lot finer, right? Um, trying to incorporate youngsters. So, and especially like you said, when we've really got a lot of youngsters anyway, it's uh, probably, I don't think, something that's going to happen unless we see 
maybe multiple departures and maybe I think obviously the ones where I'm high on are, you know, Luaneri and um uh Miles Lewis Skelly, those are the ones I think, you know, that have the significant talent to make it, but I don't know when that will be personally. So Yeah. Yeah, especially, I, especially when we're stocked in those positions that they can play already. So, so yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. It's really tough. I, I I haven't watched the documentary. I've seen the clips. The clips look like yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely something that should be watched. Um, and yeah, like you know, credit to Jack. He's come back to he's come back home. He's doing you know he's he's do, he's doing his thing with um you know the the um the under what is it? It's the is under it, under yeah. So, credit to him. I think for the same reasons, it's really tough to blood youngsters when you're at this stage where you're competing. Um, if you think about last season, yeah, in the running, Arteta didn't even want to field uh, players like ESR, you know, who we know have produced for the club, you know, maybe fitness or whatnot, but, you know, these are guys that he had on the bench that... He wasn't really using, he wasn't really defaulting to. He wasn't defaulting to more experienced players. So imagine what those young players are going to have to be like to be able to um, not only stand out at their level, but to break into the first-team squad, um, surpass some of the young players that are already in and around the fringes and train with us, um, make it into matchday squads and get minutes. You're asking for something that's nearly impossible and get meaningful minutes you know um, meaningful minutes you're asking for something that's a tall order that's going to have to be an exceptional player you know who you know is not necessarily on the uh, on any of our radars right now um, but I'm sure Arteta you know would know if there was such an exceptional player that existed within the ranks um, yeah and they'd have to surpass the, you know the, the likes of um, Lewis Skelly's and Ethan Nuanieri's and, and 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 so on and so on to be knocking on the door to say yeah boom I'm good enough to to start for Arsenal not start for Arsenal but you know get in and amongst the ranks I'm not saying it can't happen um, I always like that balance um, when yeah you can bring in established stars and world beaters and have a combination of growing some of your own. Um, in that mixer as well. I, I, I always like that, you know, that would be my preferred model of football wherever. I think, you know, you can see what it means to players like Saka who have come up through the ranks. Eddie, who scored on Saturday, we haven't talk, sp spoken a lot about him, but he's come up through the ranks at Arsenal as well. You see what it means to these guys, but being realistic as well, it's very, very, very tough. So I don't know um, if that's going to be the case and I don't expect to see it at all, really. Not next season. Yeah, yeah, uh, agreed. Um, Kingfish at FSHR underscore 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 says, I think Jesus would have cooked in that supporting striker 10 role. Havertz was in on Saturday. Thoughts? Well, I think basically Jesus is our striker, essentially. You know, he's the number one striker. When he comes back, that's where he'll play. But we know Jesus drifts, you know, and there's a lot of rotation and fluidity in that, in that lineup. Because what was interesting was from goal kicks a lot, um, on Saturday, Ramsey would go long and Eddie would drop and Havertz would be the one who would win it. So I think there's a lot of room for interchange in there anyway. Um, so, and Havertz, I think part of the reason he was bought is probably earmarked and I'm going to, because you saw last season when Jesus or, or Trossard played nine was that 
Xhaka used to make a lot of runs in behind the main man as well. So I can see that being something they try to utilise for Havertz as well, who's, you know, faster than than a, than a Xhaka was and, and better offensively. So I, that, that's kind of how I see it, see it working. Essentially, I think Havertz was brought to play with like the likes of Rice and Jesus. So I think that's where we'll see it more. Whereas Eddie is more of a, a typical just number nine. So, um, you know, maybe you don't see as much fluidity there but I didn't have a problem with that because Forrest came to to low block and you want someone in the box who's just going to shoot when he has the opportunity so, so that wasn't really a problem for me yeah it's the same yeah it's completely the same there were there were times where Eddie did drop Havertz was the um, target man the focal point and Erdegaard surprisingly was the one who was trying to run beyond um, Havertz Havertz in essence played the 10 and I agree with you entirely um, I think Jesus in that side would have cooked. I think Jesus in that role where Havertz was playing, mm, I'm not, you know, that's that that that's not what I'd do. Um, you know, and actually one of my opening thoughts and I, I glossed over it, but yeah, I think you know the side looked good. Eddie done a really good job, but I think Jesus in this side um, you know, definitely cooks because again he's another one who's fantastic at destabilizing these low blocks. So you know if you have him, Martinelli and Saka doing what they've done, and then you've got Havertz um, destabilizing and overloading as well. I think, yeah, 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 you know, that that probably does make it a more comfortable scoreline. And that's not a criticism of Eddie, he had a chance, he took his chance well, played and utilized the role well. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, the point is, yeah, I think we will cook with Jesus in the side as a number nine as well, playing like how we did on Saturday, yeah. Agreed. Uh, Yonko Abs, after Timber got injured, Tommy replaced him instead of Kivio, who had a better preseason and a better fit for left back. Should we read into it? Mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure either of them are overly a great, great fit. I think they can both play there, but you know, essentially, they're both going to be behind Zinjenko now. He's back essentially. Um, and Kivio, you know, we know is a sort of a backup left back, backup center back. So I think it's still interesting to see where he makes his mark long term. Obviously, he'll start to get more fixed, more games as the fixture list piles up as well. So we'll see how Kivio beds in. Um, Tommy, I wonder if, you know, now with the timber stuff and Zinchenko back, he might move more to the right again, um, especially if we don't manage to get another signing in. Um, so, but for me, for Tommy, he's just got to stay fit. You know, you need to stay fit because right now you, you, you've you caught life more than anybody with this timber injury because for me, you were looking on the fringes for quite a while, just partly because of your lack of availability. Loads of people had to pass you in the pecking order. So um, so for me, yeah, it's a key season for him. He's one of the guys who needs to have a good season, Tom Yasu. Um, so, so let's see. Let's, let's see on that one. Uh, Kieran underscore 91 k underscore underscore 91 does the fact that party excels in passing where rice doesn't and rice excels physically where party doesn't mean it will be hard to play one without the other also can you leave that tune on the intro running for longer um the tune on the intro running for longer but i have to speak to the producers on that one they'll have to take (laughs) (laughs) have to take (laughs) center stage on that one but um shabs what do you think can one coexist without the other party and rice or do you think they'll see the majority of their playing time together? I don't know if I agree with the statement or the observation. I, I, I think they can both do both. I think Partey is the superior passer. I think that's mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, I think Rice is capable. I think it's about Rice embedded. And, and 
I don't think Rice would have gone out with the instruction to, um, you know, to, to pass, to distribute, to be the primary playmaker. I don't think that's what the ask would have been of him. I don't think that's what the ask has been of him in in, in the two games that he's played for us either. And I think Partey as well gets criticised for sometimes a lack of physicality or whatnot. But I think when he needs to and when it matters, he he can do that. And Partey is also not someone who loses out on lots of duels. And, you know, all the things that I, I was talking about, um, you know, and kind of lauding Rysel. If you look at um, the metrics, again, over the last couple of seasons, they profile similar in terms of the defensive numbers, the interceptions um, and whatnot. Very similar. Um you know, it's just for me, Partey is the more expansive and more superior passer out of the two. But I think, you know, they can they can, and look like they will coexist. I think, you know, it's very telling. All these questions that we had in our minds as fans before the season started. What does this mean for Partey? Is he going to get dropped? You know, are Partey and Rice going to play together? Is Rice going to play as the eight or is Havertz going to play as the eight or whatever? Like I said, all these questions were answered. Timber, is Timber going to be um, right back? Is he going to play in the centre? But not all of these questions have been answered. I think, you know, the plan is for these guys to coexist. And it looks like it can work. And yeah, like for me, you want all your best players to play together and you want them to complement each other. So I don't want to get into a kind of dialogue about um, kind of pitting them against each other in terms of who does what better. Because for me, the reality and the point is that they make us better as a team. And, you know, that's what they need to do. They need to make us better as a team. So, yeah. Cool. Um, we'll do one more and then we'll wrap it up for tonight. Um, Els at Jagged Ed E double D on Twitter says, with your current level of fitness, how many minutes do you think you'd be able to get in a Premier League game? Boy, <laughs> listen, I weigh about 100 kilograms. So I'll be breathing like a dog after two minutes, maybe even shorter than that. So boy, if you ask me to do one sprint, that might be it for for the for the game for me, boy. So thank goodness we have five subs these days because I'm not lasting long. Pause. So so yeah yeah I'll, I'll be off soon. Shabs. Yeah no nah, man just like you know the, the injury time in injury time. That's that's, that's me, boy. Premier League. What? <laughs> Premier League? You know? Nah. I don't know, bro. That's maybe a minute. You know how people are. You know them ones on, on the timeline. They're like, yeah, yeah, I could, I could bag like 10, 12 goals playing for City. I said, all right, mate. I said, all, all right. right man. I said, on, I said you, you, you'll be fighting for your life against the centre-backs, bro. Listen, <laughs> be fighting for their life in the under-18s. In in the, in the under, under, this is the reality. Like The thing is, they it looks easy. It looks easy. But, you know... Um, these are playing at an elite level, an elite level of fitness, elite level of technical ability. Sure, not all um, players fit that profile. Not all players have that elite technical ability, but yeah, they're they they they're there somehow. They're playing at the top of the top of the league. I think so, I think people I think people forget, like you said, this is the top one percent. Some of the best footballers I've ever seen in my life are playing semi-professional football, bro. People don't yeah. understand. Firstly, the level of work you have to do, the level of execution you have to do to get to the, to that level bro we're talking about prem listen can some of you man even survive at semi pro <laughs> step 4 step 5 you 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 you're talking about prem please exactly. i beg man <laughs> go, go, well, i'll ask you to play against Beatties or se dons this weekend you will be fighting for your life finished so yeah <laughs> it's for me 
it's not looking good, bruv. I eat too much suya for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, it ain't going to happen, bro. Nah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right. Well, great. I think, Shabs, it's been a great one. Let's, let's, let's wrap it up there. Um, listeners, thank you very much. Um, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you know, we've got Palace coming up, I think, on Monday night. So we're going to have to wait all weekend while all of the ops play. And I'm sure they'll all be tuned into our game on Monday night. Um, but yeah, if these guys are serious. They need to, you know, they need to play for Timber now, boy. So, you know, help him along in his recovery. So, yeah, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we'll see if, there, if there's more action, if there's more outgoings, any incomings prior to the Palace game on Monday. But we'll be back after that with a post-match reaction as well. So, uh, guys, Shabs, thank you. And uh, listeners, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you. Peace. Peace. To 2-2 two -two and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Yo! Could have went left, but it went right. Could have went wrong, but it went right. Said it was Ian, but it went right. Man will get bars on bars on site. MVP in the night. Tell a nigga it's a positive. We're heading for a classic in the paper. Could have had that fight, but I'm gonna walk on site. Man, I have to grab that mic. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a good oh, energy. Man, you're gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's foul. Man, I'm That's the response of Arsenal. Across the line. Score for my team in the time I play. Where I know when man's in the Chelsea. Chelsea. Lost their focus in the joy of equalizing. But I won't see you right. Man could have had that fight, but I'm in walk on site. Man have to grab that man. You're not going to this time. Trying to work with a good energy. Can he go all the way here? I'm going to have skills like Pele. Still Nasrin. Let's try Man jumped up from the floor like Merlin. Open the door and let man's guarding. Trust me that that man's team's not working. What am I going to do? It's Keeper Magic. Magic. Wonderful play from Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.